I'll tell you, there are things that I love about being a pastor, being a parish priest, and things that are tough. And I'm going to tell you the tough one first. You know, I just, I was on vacation with my parents, and that's why I was gone the last few Sundays. It was lovely. And the first call I got when turning my phone back on last Sunday was that the toilets are overflowing at the church, and we got to figure out some way to take care of this. And we did, and we got someone out here, and it was all fixed until about five minutes before Mass. So, hooray. Um, so, just so you know, thanks be to God, we all also have a school that you may have heard of right over here. And the gym is now open, so if you need to use the restroom, go over there, because apparently the problem is still there. You know, it's fine. It's like, become a priest. You, know? you don't have to worry about the things that dads have to worry about. Oh, yeah, you do. You got a, you got a building to take care of. Don't leave the door open. We're not heating the whole neighborhood. You know, it's like those sort of things. You still have to deal with those, and it's fun as you're processing into Mass and saying, Lord, help me to pray. The toilets are overflowing. You know, it's just, you got to stay focused. But here's the things that I love, right? The longer I'm a priest, the more I love getting to study sacred scripture. And there's more and more that you get to dive into all the time. And of course, we're kind of getting like abridged versions on Sunday. And today's first reading is a perfect example of why it's good to dive in deeper when you go home, because we're really getting a lot of snippets of this story with David and Saul. In fact, if you look in your Missal, your Magnificat, you'll see we're in the first book of Samuel, chapter 26, and then the verses are all over the place, because there's a lot of stuff they sort of cut out to keep this story condensed. But basically, it's like, wait, Why? Is Saul looking to go after David? You know, Saul went down to the desert of Ziph with 3,000 picked men to go hunting for David. Well, David, you may remember, I mean, the big famous story about David, right, is that he went out and he took care of Goliath. Well, Saul was the king. Saul was the one fighting the Philistines. David, you know, that shepherd boy who was called up, but the Lord saw into his heart and saw how impressive David really was, you know, calls him to greatness. And David stands up to go fight Goliath. We all know what happened. He took care of Goliath. And as they're coming back home, the women are coming out and singing, Saul has slain his thousands. David has slain his tens of thousands. And even though David helped out King Saul, he's not too keen on having other people kind of getting his limelight, looking after him. And that jealousy built up more and more to the point that now he's taking an army going out to try to kill David. But the thing is, when you look at this story, like I said, I highly recommend, open up your Bible, read this whole chapter, because it's fascinating that, okay, Saul is out there, he's got this huge army around him, they all fall asleep, his spear's at his head, David's able to sneak in with his right-hand man, Abishai. We heard Abishai is ready to take care of business. But look at David. No, we're not gonna harm the Lord's anointed. However, notice this though, he doesn't like wake Saul up and go, I could kill you. He doesn't do that. He takes the spear, takes the water jug and sneaks away to safety and then calls out to say, look, you were delivered into my hands, but I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. And Saul kind of has like conversion, oh, please come back. I'll take care of you. David's learned his lesson. He didn't like take him out, but he's not like, okay, I'll throw caution in the wind and come back. No, they stay separate, but he doesn't harm him. He doesn't do what he could, he does what he should, right? That ultimately he knows that the Lord will reward each man for his justice and faithfulness. And it's incredible what happens with that because David refuses to assassinate the king. Even though he's, I mean, Saul is really being unjust here. He's being terrible. 
the Lord will take care of that. But because David was just in this situation, his dynasty is the only one in the ancient Near East that went a whole 400 years without a king being assassinated. It's an incredible thing because he did what he was supposed to do. Now, as you look at these readings today and see how this one flows right into the gospel, which is a a very difficult gospel, I always, when we get to this particular one, and you hear our Lord saying what he says, I think this is the real controversial teaching in Christianity. It's like, oh, you got to avoid the the hot button issues like contraception. No, that makes sense. Like, that just goes along with biology. This, here's the tough teaching. Love your enemies. What? Like, that doesn't make any sense. That's a hard thing to do. You talk about going beyond natural to supernatural. There it is. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. That's tough. And I'll tell you, looking at these readings today and the way they come together, it reminds me of three things. One is an article by a professor I really like down in Texas. One is a movie quote from our favorite movie, Jurassic Park. And one is what I always like to say to middle schoolers when I'm chaperoning them on our class trips. Okay, the first one, that article. Uh, One of my favorite uh, writers, Professor Randall Smith, I think he's at St. Thomas Aquinas University. He wrote an article a couple years back about a coffee shop that he likes to go to to do his work a lot of the time. He said one of the things he loved about this coffee shop was they would put out a bowl of chocolate-covered coffee beans. You know, just a nice little snack for the customers who came in. It was just so nice. You get your coffee, you can get a bean. You know, it's a nice little thing to have. He said over time, like, someone would come up, take like two or three. And then somebody eventually comes up, takes a handful. And he said one day, he's sitting there working, and he saw a lady go up, take the bowl and dump the whole thing in her purse and go out, right? It's like, what are you doing? And of course, the people around the coffee shop, as they're getting abused with this, eventually it's like, okay, enough with the coffee or the chocolate-covered coffee beans. I guess we can't do this. Like, because they're doing something like this, this nice thing that was available doesn't get to happen anymore. What I like to say to our kids when we go on our trips and things, I always warn them, I say, hey, guys, Don't be that guy. And what do I mean by that, right? So let's say we're leaving the museum at 3.30, right? Everybody needs to be on the bus by 3.30. Don't be that guy that comes waltzing out at 3.42 and just kind of coming up to us. No, we're all waiting on you. Don't be that guy. Don't be the guy on the bus who's blasting your music and we don't want to listen to it. Frankly, it's like, just be considerate. Don't be annoying. Don't be that guy, right? We know that that's not what we want to be. And I know I went out of order from what I said, the Jurassic Park. So when you get to the end of that movie or towards the end where everything's going crazy, the raptors are crashing in, you know, Tyrannosaurus Rex is after them, all these things when Jeff Goldblum, I don't remember the name of his character, says to John Hammond, I don't remember the name of the actor, but he's the guy who like gets the whole thing going with the cloning of the dinosaurs. He's the one who put up the park. And Jeff Goldblum says to him, you were so concerned about whether or not you could that you never stopped to think about whether or not you should. And that's such an important principle, I think, for us in our day-to-day life. We live in an age that is very irritable, angry, upsetting all the time. And yes, we could, on the internet, all the time, someone says something, you could go on and blast them all you want in the comment box. You could, when someone cuts you off in traffic, cut them off right back, right? You could, if you run a dry cleaning business, be totally upset with the guy who invented sweatpants and stay-at-home work and just be bitter all the time, right? You could do all those things, but you shouldn't because it just makes it worse. Just like with those coffee beans. Yeah, you could go up there and grab a handful, 
but that's not the intention. That's not what you're supposed to do. You could do it, but it makes it worse for everybody. And when you look at our opportunities to go about and to be like our Lord, yes, he is giving us very hard teachings. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. It sounds unrealistic, right? It sounds like that's impossible. But that's what our Lord wants for us. He wants us to be like him. He said, I no longer call you slaves, I call you my friends. He wants us to be like him. We get in this gospel today, one of the big three in sacred scripture of our Lord setting the bar really high. One is in the book of Deuteronomy, one is here, one is in the, in the gospel of Matthew. What do I mean? Where Jesus tells us that he wants us to be like his heavenly father. Well, we hear it in sacred scripture. It's Jesus twice, once in the Deuteronomy. But in Deuteronomy, it's be holy, just as your heavenly father is holy. Here, be merciful just as your heavenly father is merciful. And Matthew takes the cake in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, be perfect, just as your heavenly father is perfect. Now, that sounds impossible, right? But when Jesus is giving us these kind of difficult commandments, and I'll tell you, take the gospel today. Use it as an examination of conscience. Am I loving my enemies? Am I doing good to those who hate me? It's hard. But our Lord never asks us to do anything that he's not willing to do himself. Think about the 12th station of the cross right over here. What does Jesus say from the cross? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Think about the way that he loves us all the way till the end. At the Last Supper, I'm going to use Eucharistic prayer three today because it has that beautiful line right before the consecration. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread and giving thanks. Think about that. The night that Judas is going to sell him for 30 pieces of silver, that his right-hand man Peter is going to deny him three times. What does he do in response? He gives us himself in the Eucharist. Our Lord doesn't ask us to do what he's not willing to do himself and doesn't ask us to do what he's not willing to help us with every step of the way. You think about the sacraments, confession. Okay, I've probably many times not prayed for those who have mistreated me, but I can go and say I'm sorry. He can give me his mercy so that I can then imitate it and go out there. I can come to him and receive him in the blessed sacrament, receiving his grace, his presence, so that I can imitate him. Is it easy? No. Was it easy for David? No. But when you see when he did what he should rather than what he could The impact was huge. And that's what our Lord wants for us. He doesn't want us to just kind of go along to get along. He doesn't want us to just act like everybody else, only doing good to those who do good to us. It's not what he wants. He wants to lift us up to the point where all of us are called to be saints. Is everybody else there? No. Am I there? No. But I want to try. And the beautiful thing is, is he will help us to do that. He will help us to keep being more and more like him, to be more and more merciful, to be more and more holy, and God willing, one day, to be perfect. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.